It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. This primetime presentation was both clear and it was compelling. The first in a historic set of hearings here. This is not just about what happened on January 6th or in the days leading up to it. It's about a clear and present danger to our democracy. Oh, I have to say, it's just historic to me. This was a hearing unlike any other. I think the committee did a great job tonight. I thought Liz Cheney was particularly strong. It was a, a, a very powerful, very well-produced, if you will, two-hour presentation. Tonight, the January 6th committee concluded the first of a series of its public hearings, and the point was abundantly clear. Our democracy remains in danger. All right, Sandy Rios with you. As you might expect, I have a few opinions about what happened last Thursday night. But first of all, let me just say uh, it's nice to be here with you today. And uh, I thought Christian did a great job yesterday. I listened as we were driving yesterday back from our destination. And uh, I just was so glad he was hosting. And I think he gave you a great perspective. And I want to say something personal at the top of the show, if you will allow me. I if uh, I, there are going to be some periodic absences from me, um, there are there were some health concerns, uh, but I just want you to know we got a great report yesterday, and uh, even though I may be off the air a little bit here and there for for the next couple of months, uh, it's I'm fine, I'm doing fine, and we are just thanking God. You know, we're just really thanking God right now. So I wanted you to know if you think you know if you see I'm I'm gone and I'm not telling you I'm you know doing business here and there. That's the reason. There's a lot of uh, medical appointments that I have to fulfill. So uh, I really appreciate Christian filling in, and I was so—he did such a great job. And I thought you guys that called in, I was proud of you, too. You did a great job uh, asking some really good questions. So uh, so one of the things that Christian talked about, of course, was this uh, this undiscussed situation of last week, a Supreme Court justice, the attempted assassination of a Supreme Court justice, not just something simple, but a well-thought-out plan that was, uh, you know, with burglary tools and a Glock pistol and uh, um, fa and all kinds of things. Actually, actually I'm going to read the weaponry to you. And yet, the network news hardly mentioned it. They were foaming at the mouth about the January 6th committee hearings on Thursday night, which I will say this, I'm going to come back to it a little bit later if I have a chance, because there's a lot of news. We're trying to cover a lot of ground. But let me just say, if I could appeal to your reason for a minute, if there's anyone out there who thought those committee hearings were worthy and justifiable, if I were just to appeal to people's reason, I would say this. What court of law, what, what trial have you ever seen, which is basically what that was? They put President Trump and the people involved in J6 on trial publicly, and, and it was like a courtroom with witnesses and testimony, what courtroom in your life have you ever seen where 
the witness's testimony is taped and edited, where words are left out, like with President Trump's comments about going to the Capitol to protest peacefully, they edited out the word peacefully. There are a lot of other examples of that, but, you know, you can make, I can tell you as a person who's edited tape and been on television for so many years, you can make uh, someone sound like they're saying almost anything if you edit properly. So would you like to be placed on trial uh, about something that you felt you were innocent on and have all the people accusing you, uh, have all the people defending you, in fact, have all of their tape edited? I want to just give you an example. Um, Our friend Cleta Mitchell, who was subpoenaed by the J6 committee, went in, you know, she's ended up uh, having to resign from her job as a law partner in Washington, D.C. because of her involvement in the election integrity effort. She's a key player in that. And how dare she do that? And so the J6 committee subpoenaed her, even though she had nothing to do with being there on January the 6th, but she was helping President Trump and others uh, to try to figure out what, what to get to the bottom. Uh, she still is of what happened in these various states. So she was subpoenaed. And guess what? They will not let her have the tapes of her testimony. They won't let her attorneys have tapes of her testimony. They will not let her have a copy of the transcript of her testimony. What, ladies and gentlemen, is going on here? Well, you know what's going on here. This is a Soviet-style completely rich China. Anybody, anybody want to go to North Korea and go on trial? Anybody want to go to, you know, the Soviet, old Soviet Union and go on trial? Really, it was a, just a, an indictment of the people that did this. And yet, you know, you would never know it from the way they presented it. I, I'll come back to that, but I want to come back to Kavanaugh. I've got a lot of important things to tell you about that. So, The most important story last week was the attempted assassination of a sitting Supreme Court justice. And could I just say, you know, there's three branches of government. The left has managed to corrupt the legislative branch. Who's running that? Let's see. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. They have railroaded through the the highest spending, creating the incredible uh, gas prices, the incredible increase in price, you know, the almost 9% inflation because of all their spending, um, not to mention all the other legislation, the, the lack of enforcement of the borders, they have completely corrupted and taken over the legislative branch. They have outnumbered conservatives. Uh, and so that's, okay, check that, legislative, gone. And then we have the executive branch. Oh, well, should I say anything about the executive branch with uh, President Biden's, you know, wonderful cabinet and all the marvelous decisions they've made and all the lies they've told us, uh, how they handled Benghazi, uh, Benghazi, I'm sorry, uh, how they handled Afghanistan, the withdrawal from there. I could talk about Benghazi too, get, don't get me started. But uh, Afghanistan, how they have um, uh, failed to fight against China, letting China have their way on everything, uh, so that so much so that we believe China's getting ready to invade Taiwan, perhaps in October. Yeah, well, I could talk a little bit about that. But so executive branch, check. What branch, still wobbly though it is, stands independent and trying to do the right thing? It is the judicial branch. And so now this is the left's chance to destroy that branch by any means necessary. They love that phrase, by any means necessary. So let's see. Well, how about we picket and threaten 
the conservative justices, about the Roe versus Wade decision, about that after that leaked draft. Why do we leak a, a, a Alito's draft and uh, you know stir things up a bit because we do have an election coming up, and just in case all the other things we put in place uh, to to uh, corrupt that election don't work, you know we can maybe get people stirred up genuinely because they think abortion is going to be outlawed. We'll tell them it is even though that's not totally true because many states have abortion laws that are very very permissive including New York New York states one of the ones that comes to my mind so it's not true that if Roe versus Wade is overturned abortion will not be illegal all oh, that it meant that but it doesn't nevertheless the truth is not important we just have to whip people into a frenzy so that they'll come out and vote and we can uh, again you know uh, wield our power in the legislative branch but the supreme court has decided to wait for that decision, I heaven knows how long. It may be in July before they release it. Some people are saying to John Roberts, come on already, release it. Uh, stop these threats. You know, they've actually outed the the school where Amy Coney Barrett's children go. Uh, they've outed the address of that to these crazy, crazy radicals in the streets. And after the attempted assassination of Brett Kavanaugh, the next day there were protesters out. So I want to I wanna give you some information. I'm um, heavy... I always go to heavy.com when I'm looking for information about these shooters or some information that you might not find other places. And Nicholas John Roski, the 24-year-old, does anybody, or 26-year-old, from they say from Simi Valley, California. But I was reading through the information about him, and guess where his previous address was? It was Seattle, Washington. Who's in Seattle? I mean, like, what kind of people? I mean, there are some nice people in Seattle, but when you think of Seattle and Portland, any group come to mind? Well, a group comes to my mind, and it's Antifa, and I don't know that he's part of Antifa, but he was dressed all in black. You should hear the things he had on. Let's see if I can find this. Uh, He had a long list of stuff. Oh, black tactical chest rig and tactical knife, a Glock 17 pistol with two magazines and ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, hammer, screwdriver, nail punch, crowbar, duct tape, hiking boots with padding on the outside of the soles, and other items. His mom's an educator, his dad's an insurance, his mom's Facebook page was taken down immediately, and if they say his previous address is Seattle. Uh, his favorite uh, interests on Facebook before it disappeared was arm, the Army's arm, America's Army video game and Minecraft and Stephen King. All right, so I, those are, I'm saying a lot of things in a quick time, and I'm inferring. I'm inferring a lot of things. I do find myself wondering, well, hmm, do you suppose that um, John Roski, Nicholas John Roski, is part of Antifa? Do you just wonder? Do you think anybody will look? Do you think anybody will ever mention this again since the networks decided not to even discuss it over the weekend? They, they wanted to talk about the January, the kangaroo court, the Soviet-style uh, you know, panel, uh, that was trying to lay the groundwork work to arrest and convict President Trump and all the people who support him and all the people that support the notion that the 2020 election was uh, wrongfully decided. Yeah, uh, The Kavanaugh's neighbor was one of the Kavanaugh's neighbor spoke up and talked about how hard this is on families. They have a lot of children in that neighborhood. The protesters come at bedtime for the kids, and they said it's almost impossible to get them down. They shout at the neighbors, blank you, blank you. They've been told that they can't do anything. The police have told them, um, even though, and even uh, Attorney General Barr said, in in fact, I should read what he said. He wrote this. He said, um, 
The law is crystal clear that protests at a judge's residence to influence a judge is a federal crime, and the law should be enforced. Uh, The right to protest has always been subject to reasonable time, place, and manner restrictions, like the federal law prohibiting demonstrations outside a judge's residence. There is unequivocal that this is law-breaking, and yet Garland continues to allow these protesters. Uh, they talk about its free speech. Well, you know what this is. This is this is political coordination. And by the way, that brings me to a point that um, has been made. Garland and the Justice Department have, you know, said that they have they are separate from this J six hearing. They have nothing to do with that. There's no intersection. They're not coordinating. And yet we see in another article or something, some statement that can be verified that uh, the Justice Department attorneys are actually watching the hearings. They're watching them. And we know now that the uh, the J6 committee is going to turn over their transcripts to the Justice Department, uh, even though that's not – that's because testimony is often – they don't. They don't have a right to all of that testimony. Is what I'm trying to say. But they're going to get that. So, it is a. It's you know the wild west here in the United States, and that reminds me to tell you that we have primaries today, and I hope to get to this in more detail also. But let me quickly say they are. There are three of them. Three different states: uh, Maine, Nevada, and South Carolina. Maine, Nevada, and South Carolina. Uh, in Nevada, there's a Senate race that's pretty crucial. Adam Laxalt is running. And he seems to be the pick of, you know, just about every conservative group. He also has the support of Mitch McConnell, which is interesting. So it's an intersection of interests. Uh, but Adam Laxalt uh, is uh, the one who had headed the election integrity effort in Nevada. It's just, you know, something about him. South Carolina, important race between Nancy Mace and uh, uh, Katie Arrington. Uh, President Trump is supporting Arrington and uh a former governor of South Carolina, the female, who was, I just can't think of it, uh, she was uh, the uh, ambassador to the UN, I'll think of it in a second, is supporting uh, Nancy Mace. So here's the thing. Nancy Mace uh, started out as a conservative, not so much anymore. And my uh, friends tell me she's very, very close to Kevin uh, McCarthy. And uh, that things have changed with Nancy Mace. Uh, she's boasting that she's going to beat by, win by two uh, du- double digits Uh, Katie Arrington has the support. This is a time when President Trump is supporting someone who has the support of other conservative groups. So uh, those of you in South Carolina, be aware that Nancy Mace might be a problem. Katie Arrington might be the one to look at. I'll be back with more of that. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Persecuted Christians in China, they're beaten, jailed, and threatened with death, and they need your help today. This is Bible League International, and just outside of Beijing, 12-year-old Ming became a believer after learning English as a second language through a program from Bible League because the Bible is the source of the reading assignments. Ming would lead her father, Daiku, a Confucianist to Christ, but her bitter atheist mother has turned them in for attending a house church near their home outside of Beijing. Now, we're not sure what's going to happen to these two, but they remain faithful in worship, and they're praying for Bibles because in their church of 200, There's only about three Bibles. Many are known to stay after the service to write down some scriptures just to have something to take into their week. And 50-year-old Katsu, beaten and jailed many times as a pastor, he led his atheist interrogator to Christ. Together they've seen thousands come to Christ. They need Bibles in China. We're sending God's Word to 16,000 persecuted believers. We have to do this by the end of June. So at $5 a Bible, call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give it sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses. 
watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MetaShare has a new option called MetaShare 65+. Plus. MetaShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MetaShare 65+, Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. And you can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to you on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Hey, this is Evangelist Nick Hall coming this summer, Together 22, 50 years ago, Explo 72, led by Billy Graham, rallied an entire generation to share the gospel. This summer, June 24th and 25th, we're doing it again, and it's free. Together 22 will feature some of the biggest names in Christian music, some of the best preachers coming to equip you. More information at Pulse.org. Los Angeles held its gay pride parade over the weekend, and it was just as horrifying as you might imagine. Behavior I'm not even allowed under federal law to even describe on the radio. In the crowd, hundreds of small children. You know, I wrote a book called Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation. In that book, I described a society where right is wrong, wrong is right, a society whose values have been turned upside down. Well, we are living in that reality. It's okay for children to read storybooks promoting gender confusion, but Cat in the Hat is racially offensive. It's okay for grown men to parade around nearly naked in the streets, but it's against the law for a football coach to pray in public. It's okay for drag queens to groom children inside classrooms where the name of God has been banished. Now, some would say that the United States has become Sodom and Gomorrah, but I contend we've become much worse. Be sure to check out my book at ToddSterns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. The laws of economics are very much like gravity. Uh, if you ignore them, it's going to hurt. And that's clearly what the Biden administration has done here by uh, constraining American oil and gas production, which they have done is off 18 percent. Been borrowing and spending money that we didn't have uh, with, uh, you know, now with inflation, 8.6 percent, the highest it's been since December of 1981 and core inflation, uh, 6 percent. You said that we're spending more money than we have or than we need to. What, what are you talking about there? So we'll know what you're referencing as. Well, I'm talking about the almost six and a half trillion dollars that were spent during uh, COVID, for example, and the 1.9 trillion that was spent um, during uh, the first parts of the uh, Biden administration. That's money we don't have. That's money chasing more, more money chasing fewer and fewer goods while we're raising costs on energy. And energy just isn't paying at the pump, Arthel. Energy goes into everything we make from meat to metal, not just transporting it, but processing it as well, not to mention plastics and packaging. So energy is involved in everything we do, and when you when you uh, reduce the amount of energy and disincentivize its production, costs are going to go up. That was economist John Jordan on Sunday on Fox, uh, and he's telling us things that we mostly know. Uh, these are different times. These are very different times for most of us. We've never experienced this. We have inflation nearly 
We have a national average of gas prices at $5 a gallon and greater in some areas and, and rising as we talk. Uh, food prices. You know, I read uh, yesterday, uh, I told Bruce just a few days ago that I would imagine, I'm only speculating, that people, regular folk, are managing all of this by putting it on their credit cards. I had that confirmed in an interview yesterday. These are, these are really bad times for normal people. And so that's why, uh, that's one of the big reasons why American Family Radio has added a new lineup. Uh, you know, it's since the death of our, our dear friend Dan Celia, who did financial issues, we know there's a void there. And we know that you have lots of issues right now and lots of problems that you're facing financially. And that's why it makes this program even more crucial than it ever was. And it's called Money Wise. It's hosted by Rob West. Uh, Rob, by the way, is the president of Kingdom Advisors and the host of Money Wise. It airs uh, uh, just what 10 o'clock uh, Central Standard Time every single morning. And with that, let me introduce Rob. Good morning, Rob. Sandy, it's a privilege to be with you. Good morning. Thank you. You have a radio voice. I can tell you do radio. <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you something funny, Rob. I, you know, yeah. I've been in radio for years. I don't really have, I can do the radio voice, but I don't really talk all the time like a radio person. But <laughs> sure. when I used to go on overseas trips with a bunch of broadcasters, there'd be like 10 of us. To yeah. be on a bus with them, it's, well, I think personally <laughs> that, uh, you know, every. <laughs> Everybody's you become announcing. very self-conscious about your voice. <laughs> well, no, quickly. I think it's just they just had these big booming. It was mostly men, you know, and they they just this is the sure. way they talk, so it cracks me up. But anyway, <laughs> Rob, thanks for joining us and welcome to the to the lineup at American Family Radio. Well, it's an incredible honor, Sandy. And, you know, I walk in some enormous shoes. The legacy of Money Wise goes all the way back to the late Larry Burkett, uh, who had a profound impact on really applying God's word to personal finance. And then Howard Dayton. And now to be a part of the American Family Radio family is a huge honor. Dan Celia was just a giant in this area. And so it's an incredible privilege to steward this time and to just encourage folks. I mean, you said it. There's a lot of pain that's happening out there with many folks uh, hitting them in the wallet right now in ways they haven't experienced before. So helping them practically in a way that's hopeful and encouraging, but rooted in God's Word, beginning with the idea that God owns it all, and therefore money is a tool to accomplish His purposes, and really reshaping our, our thinking about how we handle money is really uh, near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, certainly starting with uh, Larry tremendous impact. As you said, you're not overstating that. And I remember, you know, Larry was uh, the the guy that jolted people when he said you shouldn't be in debt. For any That's reason, right. no debt. I think he made That's an exception right. for houses, and I think that was it. But uh, but let's let's get down into the nitty-gritty here, yeah. uh, Rob, because honestly, this is going to be a tough time for you guys. This is not mm-hmm. business as usual. That's and right. so you heard my setup, and you know it's true. We're at uh, almost 9% inflation with, in rising. We're at $5 gallon gas. Uh, so let me just start right there. Um, you do have lots of just regular people. I'm telling you, I just grieve. I see them as I'm driving. I see people, young men with families, businesses. I think, how are they managing this? And I said to myself, they've got to be putting it on credit card. What would you say to people yeah. who are, they need to drive to work? They need fill in the blank, food. They need, uh, how are they going to manage this? 
Yes. Well, it, it's a real challenge. I mean, as you said, credit card debt is on the rise. That's disconcerting at so many levels because we know where that ends. The average American family is now seeing an increase over year over year of, of about $5,000 in additional spending. That is massive. And if you're living paycheck to paycheck, there's nowhere for that to go. And so, you know, that's why we talk about on the program really just five big ideas that come right out of Scripture that we've all got to stay focused on. They're more important now than ever. Uh, One is living within our means. So we've got to start, Sandy, by going back to that family budget to say, if I haven't been budgeting, if I haven't been giving every dollar a name and making sure I know where it's going, I need to start right now. And so I've got to go back and take a hard look at what does it actually cost me to put fuel in the car and keep food on the table and the utilities paid and housing is just through the roof. I mean, we are all experiencing it every day, but we've got to have a plan. And to the extent that budget does not balance, uh, we've got to make some hard choices and we've got to cut back and we've got to look for ways to sell assets. This might be a time to take that uh, you know asset that you were looking forward to holding into the future and liquidating it. Uh, but we've got to start with the spending plan. We've got to avoid the use of debt. You know, we cannot find ourselves in a situation where we're funding lifestyle on plastic. It's just not sustainable. It's going to lead to massive problems. And so we've got to live within our means, avoid debt. We've got to have margin. And that just simply means we've got to have more, uh, you know, income than we have outgo. And that means we've got to really dial back into that spending plan because that's essential to building what I talk about so often, which is that three to six months emergency fund when the unexpected it comes. And this would be one of those unexpected times, uh, we've got something to fall back on. And then we've got to have long-term goals. And this last one, I think, is is key. Uh, we've got to give generously. You know, giving is what breaks the power of money in our lives. And it's often in times like these, the first thing that goes, I would say, don't let that happen. Uh, continue to give systematically. Be a part of what God is doing, especially right now when so many people are hurting. Uh, you know, It's between you and the Lord what that amount is, but do something because it uh, just loosens the grip that money can have over us. But I think those five things are key. They sound simple. They're much harder to do now more than ever. Boy, that's, uh, I love that, Rob. But those are all such great things. I, I want to say a couple of things. One's bad and one's good. I, I would say to people that are using credit cards thinking this is going to improve, I, I cannot say to you honestly that things are going to improve. It makes a big difference uh, who runs the government in your own state. That's why your state politics matter so much. It matters nationally. It matters uh, in your states. It matters who you vote for. It matters if you don't vote, if you've checked out. But there is still no assurance uh, that this will turn around quickly, even if a different set of people get elected. Uh, So you need to, I think, take uh, Rob's advice. Oh, I even hate saying this. Honestly, just this is so glib for me. I'm at a different point in life. I'm older, and we, of course, we have different concerns. Uh, But um, for young families and people who are struggling with businesses, you're going to have to plan as though this is permanent, and that's a horrible yeah. thing to say to you. But um, I echo what you say, Rob, about giving generously. I feel like we're sort of compelled to do that right now. Yes. Um, I, I just I look at people. I look at waitresses in restaurants who went without income for so long, and I just look. It sounds like boasting, and I really don't mean because I have nothing to boast about except that I just say my heart breaks and we give. Uh, more than we normally would ever think about giving. Mm. So um, 
Uh, but Rob, let's talk about the the people who do have money. They're at a higher uh, rate. They can absorb this. They can pay five dollars for gasoline for the time. Uh, they can absorb. They have a house. Uh, maybe it's paid for. Maybe it isn't. What about how should they be looking at what's happening? How should they be doing things differently? Yeah. Well, this is a time when you're in a surplus situation, Sandy, and this we should be doing in any season, but certainly now it's very appropriate to do what I call set a financial finish line. And that uh, includes both for accumulation, which would be your balance sheet. What am I, What are my ultimate savings goals? How much is enough? And setting a financial finish line for your spending uh, to say, how much is enough lifestyle? And as my income increases, Am I going to allow my lifestyle to continue to increase with it? You know, that will happen unless we protest to the contrary. So I think once we draw a line in the sand, and no one can tell you what that line is. I think that's between you and the Lord. But once you draw a line in the sand for both accumulation, where am I headed, and what am I spending on my lifestyle, that then gives you freedom as the Lord provides beyond that to say, I'm going to hold this loosely. We should hold it all loosely, but certainly that portion to say, God, where would you have me to give? And you can give out of assets, which, by the way, is 90% of our wealth. So that's your greatest opportunity for giving your businesses and real estate and appreciated stocks, which I realize we have few of them, t- fewer of them today, perhaps, than we had a year oh, really? ago, uh, yeah. without question. Uh, but also, when I have a surplus in my monthly income, who can I be generous with? And I love the idea, Sandy, that you just said about the people on your path that really are in need, uh, you know, looking, keeping your eyes open, perhaps looking down differently at those you encounter that might be divine appointments for you to be generous. And I think when we're in a surplus situation and we can set those financial finish lines, it just gives us new eyes to what the Lord might have us to do. You know, one thing that I have observed through the years, Rob, is that like if you have a private financial advisor, uh, they often use they use uh, computerized forms and yeah. they decide how what percentage you want to do this and how much risk, and they've got it all worked out. And they all say... I think without exception, in my experience, they've all said, oh, you know, things go in cycles. It'll come back around. Things go in cycles. I personally, Rob, I'm sure that's true historically, but I honestly don't think we're there right now. I just wonder what your thoughts are. Things going to, oh, you know, the, the, the charts show that eventually this will come back. I want to know what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, you know, Sandy, I mean, I I hear what you're saying in terms of we certainly don't want to throw caution to the wind. We need to keep our eyes wide open. As believers, we need to be shrewd and wise and understanding the times, and we need to show up and vote, and we need to understand the implications of legislation that's taking place and who's running our government. And with our finances, I think each of us have to recognize that we're stewards of what passes through our hands. So although I have very little control over U.S. gross domestic product and the tax code apart from voting, uh, you know, and the Fed and all of that inflation. I do have control over what passes through my hands, and I want to be found faithful in managing that according to God's wisdom. And so that's why on MoneyWise, we go back to the Bible every day as the starting point, not just tacking a few verses on top. But to your point, uh, yes, the economy historically does work in cycles. We see these patterns. We've had 17% interest rates. We've had oil embargoes. I mean, we've seen things like this. It 
the case could be made, yeah, but this time is different. Look at our debt levels and look at where we're heading with energy, and we've just got real challenges. And I would say we absolutely do. The challenge is to what is the alternative, right? So if I pull everything out of the market and put it in cash, well, I'm losing incredible purchasing power every day. Do I want to, you know, bury it in the backyard or put it under the mattress? Uh, you know, if the base case for you is the U.S. dollar is going to collapse, well, what's it going to be replaced with? So yes, we have challenges, but I would say if some of those scenarios play out, a collapse, the banking system, the the economy, the dollar, uh, well, are we any better off by having everything in cash? And I would just say a properly diversified portfolio uh, for the long haul uh, is the very best place to build wealth to overcome the effects of inflation. And at least now, at least right at this time, we would see that the U.S. consumer is still very strong. We still have the biggest economy in the world. And technological advances are going to, in many ways, drive us forward. We do have to deal with the problems, though, ahead of us. And we have massive headwinds. Could we have a debt crisis? Yes. Could we have uh, you know, the U.S. dollar replaced as the, as the uh, world currency? Uh, yes. Uh, so we've got to monitor those things. But I don't think at this point it's wise to say, that 401k needs to be cashed out. That IRA, pull it out of the market. Uh, you know, no more investing. Let's put it all, you know, at, at home or in the safe deposit box. I just don't think that's wise, given what we know today. And with the economists that I trust that are God-fearing people, uh, I think that's still the place to be. You know, Rob, I think probably one of the most valuable things, besides practical advice that you guys give, and you've just given us some this morning, is just reiterating over and over again God's perspective on money. It is his. It is his. And and I also think that maybe that the counter um, applies that it seems to me when then when there are scriptures passages where people are going through horrible times. I can't think of this first, but when the Jews were struggling, God's advice is just go on, do your day, take care of what's before you. You know, live like, live for today. I don't mean, I'm not talking about eat, drink, and be merry, (laughs) for tomorrow you may die, but I'm talking about do the normal course of things, uh, engage in life, and I think that's probably kind of what you're saying. Just keep living as not in a silly way, plan, but don't live as though disaster's pending when we don't know that either. Well, that's exactly right. And we can't live in fear. We need to replace fear with faith. We need to recognize this is an incredible opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus during these times when folks are in need. We can live differently and confidently knowing our trust is ultimately in Him, not in the things of this world. Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, Rob, this is a great beginning. I know you guys started in May, but I haven't had the privilege of listening, so I'm going to do that. But Rob West, again, is the host of Money Wise, and by, let me correct myself, it's at 9 Central Standard Time every uh, weekday morning, Money Wise, and you can get some great advice. You can call in and talk to Rob and his crew and uh, get some help to navigate these times in which we find ourselves living. Rob, great to meet you, and thanks for joining me. And I do love your voice, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, Sandy. An <laughs> honor right. to be with you. God bless you. Okay, thanks. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow 
political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. When someone you love passes away, we often remember the final words. From Joshua to Paul to Christ on the cross, the Bible is full of these final sayings that often includes words of blessing, wisdom, and love. I'm Charles Morris. Join me all week on Haven Today for a series called Before I Go. Haven Today, weekday mornings at 4.30 Central on American Family Radio. Listen online at AFR.net. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. What are gates? They are defensive tools used to keep stuff out, to keep an advancing force at bay. Too often, the enemy is successful in putting Christians on defense. When the facts are, the Lord established his church as an aggressive, offensive, territory-taking body. The Lord never meant for us to sit on the sidelines of life or to cower in the corner as a result of the wickedness in our culture. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. The light of the world cannot be contained. The Lord is building his church, and the manby-pamby gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Do something is not generally a prescription for considered and appropriate action in an emergency. That's especially true when the proposed options require the compromise of Americans' constitutional rights. A gaggle of Republican senators have just agreed with Democratic counterparts that the something they are prepared to do in response to recent mass shootings is adopt a national red flag law. As a result, in the name of preventing deplorable but random acts of gun violence, every American could be one anonymous denunciation away from having their Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms eliminated. If this initiative becomes law, it will likely be viewed by Republican voters as the White Flag Initiative, an abject and profoundly alienating monoparty surrender to gun-grabbing Marxists at a moment when our arms are more needed than ever to safeguard all our liberties. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. 
Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. The department, in fact, when we uh, received specific and credible allegations of fraud, made an effort to look into these to satisfy ourselves uh, that they uh, were without merit. And, and I was in the posture of trying to figure out there was an avalanche of all these allegations of fraud that built up over a number of days and it was like playing whack-a-mole because something would come out one day and then the next day it would be another issue. Also, I was influenced by the fact that all the early claims uh, that I understood on, uh, were, were completely bogus and silly and usually based on complete misinformation. And so I, I didn't consider the quality of claims right out of the box to, to give me any you know, feeling that there was really substance here. That was the the voice of Attorney General William Barr uh, in his testimony to the J6 committee. And we heard him say that uh, the allegations of voter fraud in January, uh, the January 20th election was uh, BS. He, although he didn't say it that way, he actually said it right out. Uh, and so uh, in the words of Paul Sperry, who's an investigative reporter that I trust a lot, he said, A.G. Barr's deposition is very telling. Turns out he decided not to investigate based on his opinion from 30,000 feet that there was no election fraud in Atlanta, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. He never actually inspected any ballots on the ground. And by the way, he audibly laughed at 2,000 mules in his testimony. And I just want to say uh, that this is so telling and so disturbing because it was his testimony and his statement to Ivanka Trump that made her believe that her dad was wrong about uh, the election. It was a, I have another uh, article in my hands here about, uh, that came out today about Pence's legal team telling him there was nothing to the fraud allegations uh, also. And that's part of what influenced, of course, Mike Pence not to take a second look at those electors, which he had every right to do. There's nothing in the Constitution that says he couldn't stop to ponder uh, that there might be a problem with the electors that were presented to him. I'm not I, listen, he, to me, he's not off the hook for doing what he did, but he was told by his attorneys, it's just Falderall. Well, when the attorney general tells you it's BS, what are people supposed to think? So that's uh, the, uh, the, the weaky, weak sand we stand on based on what's happening. And from the so-called big lie, we have morphed into the January 6th committee hearing. And now we have an election today, and let me remind you, in Nevada, we have Adam Laxalt. Adam was the one who oversaw the recount effort in Nevada. And in South Carolina, we have Nancy Mace and Katie Harrington. And Nancy is uh, the one who was supposed to be the strong Trump supporter, but uh, it now is very, very close to Kevin McCarthy, which I can't go into that anymore. Let's just say that's not good. Uh, Katie Arrington has the support not only of President Trump, because now we can't really trust his endorsements to me unless they are coupled with endorsements from other conservative groups, which brings me to our next guest, because uh, over this past few days, President Trump, who had removed his endorsement from the one of the key Senate races this election cycle in Alabama, Donald Trump had endorsed Mel Brooks, the congressman from Alabama, because Mel was with him. Uh, on January the 6th, appearing on the stage and leading the charge in the House uh, on the floor about, you know, the the need to go back and uh, make sure we have the right electors representing in the in the reports as they were presented to the Congress. And so um, that happened. And then someone told President Trump that Congressman Brooks was not so interested 
in what happened on January the 20th. He removed his endorsement. That was a blow. And then Congressman Brooks really scratched back and came out fighting. He's been doing some great interviews. One of them was with uh, Sandra Smith on Fox. Uh, He did a great job. He's been appearing all over the place, coming back up in the polls. And then now, two days ago, President Trump has endorsed Katie Britt uh, for the Alabama Senate primary. And we need to talk about Katie Britt because many of you are in Alabama scratching your head. And so with us this morning, joining us is Congressman Mo Brooks. Congressman, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Sandy. Now, I know you've been over this ground before, you, but you know you have different listeners every time. So I have to ask you one more time and give me a complete account. Who is Katie Britt? She is a part of the establishment. She'll fit right in with the Mitch McConnells of the world. If you want huge deficits in debt, uh, she will be one of the debt junkie crowd that spends money freely that we don't have, have to borrow to get can't afford to pay back, which has devalued the American currency and is one of the three primary causes of our inflation. She also has a long track record of supporting tax increases, more so than any other Republican candidate for office in Alabama history. I could go on and on and on, uh, but she's not what we need in the United States Senate if we conservatives are going to make any headway, if we're going to get the Republicans to actually try to keep their campaign promises like repealing Obamacare or providing border security and building the wall. Uh, that's the other thing where she, you know, she was the chief of staff for uh, Shelby, Senator Shelby. And my understanding is, Mo, that she, I know this because I was certainly active in that last Senate race, uh, actively fighting uh, the lies that were happening down there. Just lies doesn't even capture it. It was like a whole it was like a January 6th. It was like a Russian collusion. They did an operation on Alabama that was one for the ages. Uh, and so uh, Katie, though, and her boss were instrumental in getting uh, Doug, uh, the, the Democrat, what's his name? Just went, Doug, whatever his name, Doug Jones, elected. Doug Jones. Is that true? Is that true? Absolutely. Uh, just uh, about a week ago, the executive director of the Alabama Democratic Party publicly thanked. Katie Britt, for the super help she gave, that's the Democrats' words, not mine, super help, that Katie Britt gave in helping to elect liberal Doug Jones, who, after John McCain died, became the swing vote in preventing us from repealing Obamacare in 2018. You may remember when John McCain in 2017 did that thumbs down. Well, when he passed away, John Kyle was appointed to replace him. John Kyle was for repeal of Obamacare. But because Katie Britt and Richard Shelby had teamed up to elect a liberal Doug Jones, we lost the vote to repeal Obamacare, and we're still suffering from socialized medicine today. But that's just the beginning of it. Doug Jones voted against all of our Supreme Court nominees. Doug Jones is for open borders. Doug Jones is pro-abortion. And for the life of me, I don't understand why anyone who is pro-life would ever vote for Katie Britt, given her role in helping to elect a pro-abortion United States senator who fought us every step of the way on virtually every major issue. And these are, this is one of those cases, Mo, where I need to point out, I have to emphasize this because it's actually becoming quite discouraging to watch President Trump endorse really bad people. That doesn't mean all his endorsements are bad. It's a mixed bag. and But that means to those of you listening, just because President Trump endorses someone, 
Do not think that means they're good people. The only way you can be assured that they're good candidates is if you see a bunch of conservative groups lined up with that endorsement. Uh, I tell you, Adam Laxalt is the exception because he's got the endorsement of the establishment and the conservative groups, which is a rare bird, uh, but, and, and President Trump's endorsement. But in Mo's case, uh, Mo has the endorsement of all the conservative groups, all of them. I just said we can't even list them. I mean, it's pro-life, pro-First pro Second Amendment, uh, and, and um, people that uh, you trust are, endo- are endorsing Mo Brooks and not endorsing uh, Katie Britt. But, and nevertheless, she won in your initial uh, contest. She won a lot more votes than you did. It sounds, looked like even almost, like, I know the numbers, I shouldn't even say, but let's just say she won handily. But now you have a runoff because she didn't get 50%. How do you think things are going right now? What, what is, what's happening? Well, it's kind of interesting. The Democrats have made Katie Britt their nominee in the Republican primary. And so in the Republican primary, Katie Britt exceeded all the polls, but that's because the polls <laughs> polled likely Republican voters. No one anticipated that uh, Katie Britt would get tens of thousands of Democrats voting for her in a Republican primary. Now that Donald Trump has endorsed Katie Britt, that puts the Democrats in a very perplexing situation. Do they vote for Mo Brooks? who, of course, has a real staunch conservative record that they can't stand, or do they vote for Katie Britt and give Donald Trump a win? Oh, <laughs> that's know, interesting. They don't like that option either. So, so it might be that Katie Britt actually loses more votes from Donald Trump's endorsement if the Democrats now wash their hands of the entire Republican primary process. Let me also, I, you know, I've forgotten, I forgot that Democrats can vote in Republican primaries in Alabama because it's not the same in every state. So that's what you're saying, right? Yes, we have open primaries. We do have an anti-crossover rule, but that crossover rule refers to someone who votes in one party's primary that wants to cross over and vote in the other party's runoff. That's forbidden. So the 100,000 or so Democrats who voted in the Democrat primary their names now have an X mark next to them, and they cannot vote in the Republican runoff. But any other Democrat can vote in the Republican runoff. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, they're going to be torn. Do, do they want you know, Mo I, Brooks in, or do they want to give Donald Trump a win? I suspect that they'll probably walk away and not participate, but who knows? Well, so uh, the poll, I know, I know that there's no way to really know. You have internal polls and external polls and You'll never know until Election Day, but your your sense of it, you think this endorsement of President Trump a few days ago has a, well, it's, it was just yesterday, right? It's the 13th is the it day I have. Friday night. Oh, really? Okay. Friday this night. Article's there. Okay. Well, so anything, any polling done since that endorsement? There, I saw a poll last night. I don't know how much credibility to give it. The gap narrowed a little bit after Donald Trump's uh, endorsement, meaning that it helped me more than it helped Katie Britt. But really, in a runoff of this nature, it's all about turnout. If all of the Mo Brooks supporters, all the conservatives, um, all the MAGA voters turn out, then we'll win in a landslide. On the other hand, if Katie Britt's people turn out, the more liberal uh, segment of uh, the Republican Party's uh, voter base, if they turn out, Katie Britt wins in a landslide. So this is all about voter turnout. I don't know who's going to turn out. Nobody else knows who's going to turn out. Uh, But I am cautiously optimistic that the conservatives, who tend to vote a little bit more consistently, a little bit more religiously, that they will turn out. And if that happens, we'll be just fine.
Well, but I'm, if the conservatives stay at home, then Katie Britt's going to win big time. Yeah, and let me just say, you know, you guys in Alabama have been so played. Last time you were played, so don't yep. be played this time. You've got to, you got to, you guys have to vote smart, and I know you will. So, all right, let me mention one other race that has nothing to do with you, but Mo's race is next next Tuesday, uh, and that's when that you can go to the polls in Alabama today. Though back in South Carolina, one of the race I failed to mention, <clears throat> Congressman uh, Congressman Tom Rice is boasting a little bit. He's the one that voted to impeach President Trump, and um, He's being challenged by Russell Fry, and this is another case where President Trump is endorsing Russell Fry, but so are all the other conservative, or at least most of the conservative groups are endorsing Russell Fry. Uh, so um, I just wanted you to know that's the other race in South Carolina. Mo, we just have about a minute and a half left, and just tell me what's on your mind in regard, if it's the hearings or what's going on in D.C., whatever. Just talk to us. What the public needs to understand is special interest groups run Washington, and the way that they run Washington is saying in the House of Representatives, if you want to be the chairman of a major committee, the initial bid price is a million dollars, literally. The initial bid price is a million dollars. If you don't come up with that, you're not considered. You can't get that kind of money from Joe and Jane Citizen. You can only get it from special interest groups who demand a quid pro quo, and that process has corrupted the public policy debate, and that's why... The regular citizenry are at the bottom of the totem pole of priorities. Special interests are at the top. And that's who I have taken on are the special interests and what I believe is a corrupt system that corrupts the public policy debate. That's why every single special interest group is opposing me for the United States Senate and why every single one of them is supporting Katie Britt. She's a registered lobbyist. She's been a registered lobbyist five of the last seven years. Her she is their kind of people, special interest uh, group kind of people. I am not. So people of America, people of Alabama, you have a clear choice. You can ratify the special interest group stranglehold over Washington, D.C. by voting for Katie Britt, or you can send in a muckraker like myself who's going to turn that Senate upside down and try to minimize the death grip that the special interests have over the United States Senate, the House of Representatives, and Washington. All right, so there you have it. That's Congressman Mo Brooks. That election is a week from today. That's next Tuesday. And so you need to make some big decisions. But the, for those of you today in Maine, Nevada, and South Carolina, you have to go to the polls and vote wisely. Go to iVoterGuide, by the way, to find out where the candidates stand on the issues, to verify who's supporting them. That tells you a lot about who they are. But it's I. Voter Guide is a great resource. Congressman Brooks, thank you for joining us. We wish you all the best, and we'll talk to you soon. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.